Hello you, welcome back to Out of Curiosity, the podcast where curiosity matters the most. I am your host, Niwar M. Precious. Our guest on this episode is Dr. Kavitha Bisneth, a general practitioner who is also a member of Vegan Society of South Africa, together with her husband, Dr. Mahendra Daya, a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. Together, they are long-term vegetarians and vegan. On this episode, we speak about the history of veganism and all things vegan. Welcome back to Out of Curiosity, the podcast. And we're going to be talking about the history of uh, veganism. I am going to start with the basics. So what is veganism and how does it differ with vegetarianism? Okay. So vegetarians generally don't eat meat. But there are many variations of what people mean when they say they are vegetarian. Mm -hmm. However, veganism is a philosophy that extends beyond just a diet, a plant-based diet. We exclude meat, dairy, eggs, and honey in our diet. Mm -hmm. But our lifestyles excludes the use of animals for clothing or entertainment, And because it's not just the meat industry that's uh, cruel. Uh, These other industries may arguably be even more cruel than than the meat industry. And these animals, once they have served their purpose, they actually are sent to the same slaughterhouses that the all those animals from the meat industries end up in in. or they just discarded and thrown away as uh, waste or as trash um you know once they've been fully uh, exploited and they they have no use for them yes i i love that answer because i was going to ask where does veganism stand where um animal rights are concerned when it comes to um, using animals for entertainment and uh, for example in sports for example um, horse riding yes horse riding all of the sports that use animals whether you know the really cruel ones like bullfighting and in circuses lion taming when you have dolphin shows they all not a uh, we are against they don't align with yes, veganism it's not allowed yeah because it's exploitation uh, the animals are not here for our entertainment. What, what makes us think, what gives us the right to think that uh, we should get amusement uh, from their suffering? So um, outside of people doing this for the sake of animal rights and health, for example, what are some of the reasons that people go vegan? So the main reason is, is the ethics Yes. Okay. Mm. Uh, it's because we uh, it's based on ethics that 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 is the definition. You know, veganism is based on ethics. It's and it's it's a social justice movement. So mm. we, we believe it's the same as fighting for gender equality or for uh, uh, racial equalities. Um, we are against all oppression. And uh, we recognize that animals have the same right to exist in our world. And we need to uh, recognize their right to existence beyond the narrow confines of human desire. 
Mm. Um, however, I, I'm not sure if you're asking if there are other um, benefits of veganism. Is, is that what you're asking about would, the environment impact and as well? I was asking uh, for other reasons. Why do people go vegan? What are other reasons uh, people go vegan? But you can also give um, the other benefits um, just so we can yeah. learn and expand and understand more uh, when it comes to, to veganism. Okay, so the other benefit, of course, so the reason people go vegan is for the ethics. For the However, ethics. in today's age, in today's age, there is a huge environmental benefit. And the, the people who are perhaps driving the movement more are the environmentalists because we are in the sixth mass extinction event that Earth has experienced. So if you remember the first mass extinction event killed off the dinosaurs, and now we are in what we call the Anthropocene extinction event. Anthropo means man, so it's man-created. And the worry is, is if we don't halt climate change, then man is going to go extinct. Uh, in fact, a couple of months ago, the UN released a report that said uh, that if climate change is not halted, by the mid of this century, we would have reached the tipping point beyond which there is no return. Uh, so, so that's the other reason, the major reason now. Uh, is, is the climate change. And then, of course, there's the health benefit of a veganism. There was a documentary, The Game Changes, recently about uh, two or three years ago. And it explained veganism, you know, from the elite athlete's perspective. And I think people all along were under the impression that veganism was not healthy. Yes. And this kind of opened their, their minds and their eyes. Mm. Uh, and a lot of uh, people went vegan or, or they went plant-based, let's call that. They went plant-based for health reasons. So veganism is for ethical reasons. And then you have the plant-based movement, which is done for environmental or health reasons. Yeah, no. So if I can just summarize, I think uh, if you look at veganism, Mm. Um, you, you can't really hold an absolute meaning to it, an absolute definition, right? Because from a perspective of having a daily life, it's about doing the least harm mm. and the most benefit. Um, any one animal or biological being's existence on earth will always have two sides to the coin. You, mm. you, you, your presence is going to bring good and your presence can bring harm. Uh, nature takes care of lots of little things about the balance, um, even within an environment, um, which can be the whole global environment or say for argument's sake, just a particular reserve. Mm. So uh, any change uh, brings about um, forces that changes how one dependent on the other changes the vicious cycle, if I can put it that way. Yes. But, you know, as humans, we've moved away from the true nature of how the world operates. Yeah. And I think uh, we kind of need a way of thinking uh, that needs to be cultured into, into our upbringing and perhaps going into the future 
that if we do not become aware of what harm we potentially bring to earth, specifically with all its living entities on it, uh, it will be too late. Uh, and, you know, when we're talking about a sixth level of extinction now, a sixth extinction, it's a chronic slow process, mm. which means if something happens slowly, we don't feel it. If something happened acutely, then it, 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 we have this uh, response of despair to think that, hey, we need to do something about it. Just like COVID. But if something happens very it's like COVID. Yeah, if yeah, something happens like, yeah. slowly hmm. and, you know. Because, like, for example, like you brought up COVID. Yes. Uh, 75% of all emerging infectious diseases of mankind Mm. are actually coming from uh, animals they are called zoonotic disease and they come directly or indirectly right and then uh, uh, deforestation um, the major reason is animal agriculture climate change major reason uh, antibiotic resistance i'm not sure if you are aware that 80 percent of all the uh, antibiotics that we make in the world are used in the animals that we slaughter. And you might have heard about the superbug, which is a multiple drug resistant organism. So we in the age where we the last antibiotic was uh, discovered, the last oral class of antibiotic was discovered in the 1980s. We're not having any more newer antibiotics coming out. And our antibiotics are becoming increasingly useless. Now, if you go to a doctor today and you get an antibiotic, you're not getting a cheap antibiotic. You're getting an antibiotic that costs you money. And very often those antibiotics don't work. For example, for UTI, just as an example, the urinary tract infection. Yes. Uh, previously, we used the cheapest antibiotic like uh, uh, Perbac. And we used to get 90, 95% success rate. However, now we're using much stronger antibiotics, much more expensive antibiotics, and our success rate is two-thirds. So we tell the patients, even before we treat them, listen, there's a one-third chance that you're not going to get better. You come back to us and we will have to do resistance testing, right? And this is in a period of 20 years now, Precious, that there's been such extreme changes that has happened, you know, because as I told you, from in the last 50 years, animal agriculture has quadrupled, we're killing 80 billion animals on earth uh, uh, now in the slaughterhouses. Uh, so such a it's huge number. four times higher. Mm. That's a huge number. That's a huge number. And that's only including animals that are slaughtered to be eaten. There's a huge number that are slaughtered, like day old baby chicks, 8 million, that are slaughtered, uh, not uh, just discarded in the trash, ground up alive. Baby, uh, boy baby calves in the dairy industry, millions of them discarded in the trash because what value are they in the milk industry? That's very hectic. I want us to get to, to back to the issue of veganism and plant-based. Does plant-based fall under the umbrella of veganism or is it a different thing? So, yes, plant-based is a diet mm. and veganism 
is a philosophy of nonviolence, uh, of uh, yeah, of nonviolence to all animals. So if you if you choose to go plant based, uh, you will choose it just as a what I call a lifestyle change. Um, and in fact, your reasons for choosing that may be purely selfish. Um, you know, it doesn't take into issues empathy, doesn't take into issues like compassion, doesn't take into, you don't have to identify uh, with anything that the whole agricultural system generates. All you're doing is saying, you know, for whatever reason, I'm making this change because I want something from it. Yeah. So if you're doing it for health, for example, then you're not going to necessarily stop using leather or silk. Uh, you're not necessarily not going to go to dolphin shows to visit the circus because you're doing it for health. Now, that that is what is called plant based. So you're following a plant based diet. You know, veganism is different. Now, the, 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 the phrase veganism, the term vegan, veganism, vegan, it was um, coined 77 years ago. And what I want to know is the origin of veganism, because before, the, before 77 years ago, when the, uh, the phrase veganism was coined, there were still, there were still people prior to that who were living this life of veganism, but it was not called veganism. So I want to know, where does it originate yeah. from? Yeah, so uh, you're right. It, it was coined in 1944. Yes. And actually, the word came from the beginning and the end of vegetarian. So the word came, you know, from the word vegetarian, beginning and the end. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if you look at the philosophy of non-harm, it goes right back to the Indian subcontinent 3,000 years ago, there, were, there is this word, term, ahimsa. It means non-violence to all belief, uh, to all uh, beings, sorry. Yeah. And it's a core belief of Hinduism and uh, its sister religions, right? Um, so it, uh, and to an extent, it even existed in ancient Greece and Rome. It kind of disappeared with the emergence of Christianity, and it, it uh, made its uh, emergence here and there in little pockets. And it also existed in ancient China and Japan, uh, but that was from the Buddhist influence. Um, and then in, uh, in the Africa. 1900s, we had it in the Rastafarian movement as well of non-violence mm. uh, to all beings. So from its origins, what was it based yeah. on back then? Was it based on um, being ethical? Was it based on, on spirituality, yes. religion? So, so you see, it's the original is Hinduism. And Hinduism is what we call, is not... Um, at that, that stage, it was not a religion. It's um, a path of life. Uh, and there were certain harams. Um, uh, I don't know what the English word would be, but they gave you certain... Uh, it's almost, um, you can't use the word commandments. It's, yeah, because it's not absolute. It's not absolute. absolute. Yes. So they said, this is how you should live your life. life. And the first dharam, was ahimsa, 
uh, and and ahimsa means nonviolence to all beings. So yes. it was based on how they believe people should, you know, live their life. So you don't harm, you don't steal, you don't do, you know, whatever those dharams were, were but number one dharam was ahimsa. Yeah, and, and look, you know, when we're talking even from the, against a background of religion, the, 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 the uniqueness with, with Hinduism and perhaps some of its sister religions yes. is that to question within the religion is not frowned upon, mm. right? Now, if you look at Islam and Christianity, you may not question and you follow through with everything based on commandments uh, and the commands given by wherever it came from. We're not, we're not going to debate that. But yes. um, Hinduism actually doesn't really have a beginning. Uh, you, you can't have a date to say this is where Hinduism began. Yeah. But what we can say is that it has a beginning in terms of the culture, the way of thinking, and how people, uh, and it probably dates about 5,000 years, because everything is based on a history which is recorded. Uh, and you know the original records we always have is about how one person spoke to the other and passed on knowledge. And the written language per se is not that old that we can actually know other than archaeological findings, yes. which sometimes support to say, yeah, well, look, yeah. civilization 6,000 years ago was A, B, and C, you know? Yes. So it, it's no documented. Documentation yeah. is a problem. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. moving into uh, vegan society of uh, South Africa, I wanted to know what's the relationship that, what's the relationship mm -hmm. between vegan society of South Africa with vegan society of the UK? relationship do you have um, a relationship was it uh, an umbrella do you have same um okay so so we use their definition of veganism oh. in the vegan society okay um other than that i'm not really aware but it might just me be me that i am not aware there might be a relationship uh, okay. But we use uh, vegan society because the vegan society of the UK was the founding body of, of the term, coining the term. So we use their definition of veganism. All right. So and then how do you both support people who are vegan, the vegan community as um, vegan society of South Africa? So our main uh, in the last two years has been our Facebook page. Mm. It has about just under 30,000 members and they're not all vegan uh, even though it's called vegan society we accept anyone as long as they tell us that they are wanting to transition yeah. we accept them into the group so we share activism posts so that firstly that they are aware of, of what's happening out there but we also share recipes because uh, in a, a person's day-to-day -day life, once they've made a decision to go vegan, mm. uh, I think that's, that's the most difficult part about how do I do it? So recipes are important. And we also share information on where to buy vegan products. We allow vegan companies uh, to promote uh, their products. 
uh, we they and they are free to ask whatever question as long as it's a vegan related question they can ask it on the group or they can contact any member of our admin and we have long-standing members in our group who are you know very passionate vegans and very ready to help people uh, with their question so and we also have a mentorship program how does it work yeah. and how does one become yes, part of it? So, so if so, if we see that there is a person who's struggling, they put up a post that listen, I'm missing eggs, or I'm having a hard time, or uh, psychologically there's a problem. Then uh, sometimes some of our admin team will say, listen, let's just uh, get uh, somebody from the mentorship program to contact this person, or we send them a message and say, please contact uh, the, the mentorship program. All right. But uh, uh, are you asking, are you asking if someone out there reaches out to a mentor, how is it done? Is that what you're kind of wanting to know? Yeah, that also could. But I was asking about the mentorship program that the Vegan Society of South Africa has. I wanted to understand more and how does it work? But if, if even in that case, you can answer that question in because I want to understand how does it work? Do they give you motivation? Do they guide you or do they give you like a menu of what you should eat? And so no, I think it's specific to the specific problem you may be having, you know? So nobody, there's, uh, yeah, there's no meal plan. Because sometimes people have a question like, listen, I'm uh, having a problem with, um, I have craving or, or you know, people have all different types of problems. So yes. it is uh, person specific. So whatever specific problem they have, that will be addressed. All right. These days, veganism is, is a trend. Everybody's doing it. It's out there in public on social media. And one thing I've noticed on social media is how non-vegan people would um sort of like pull down uh, people who are vegan. And I said this because you mentioned uh, the issue of cravings. Maybe you're trying to be vegan and you're craving um, eggs. And I've seen people who told people who are trying to be vegan that just leave, don't eat it. Because uh, there are people who do, um, I saw someone who did a salmon out of carrot just to stay away from using um, um, animal products. And someone commented and said, uh, either you just eat salmon or leave. Don't do this. So I want to know what word of motivation would you give someone who is um, trying to be vegan and is struggling and is facing this negativity from other people? Yeah, unfortunately, that's a reality in life. And I think that sometimes some people, as soon as you say that you're vegan, they somehow feel judged. You don't even have to say anything. And they feel that you are making a statement against them. And, you know, so you often get that obnoxious judgment. Uh, vegan. And you also, yes, and as you're saying, why don't you just eat the real thing? Yes. I mean, what, what, what does that even mean? Uh, we are against cruelty. What, uh, if you are eating a carrot and you do whatever you want to the carrot, that's fine. Uh, you, you know, you're not killing the animal. For us, as long as you're not killing the animal, that is the point. So, and, you know, or you get this question about why do you vegans make uh, plant products look like uh, like meat. For example, yeah. 
Yeah, meat products. So, so one of the things is that a lot of people who become vegan have eaten meat before. So it's something familiar to them, you know, uh, it's something familiar. They want something to resemble a little bit while they're transitioning uh, to the foods that they've eaten before, right? Because we are creatures of habit, okay? Um, and we kind of do what we always did from childhood. But the other thing is, is that if you make a vegan a burger or a, a sausage, it is to make it to fit a bun or to fit a roll. You're not making it to look like an animal because which animal looks like a burger or looks like a sausage, mm. you know? Mm. Um, Oh, you know, I, I really don't understand when people say that. Yeah. So if I may just also add, then, you know, uh, if you face that kind of situation, you know, uh, in a crowd, um, you know, firstly, don't react, um, respond, say a few positive things and let it be, you know, that, that's the important thing. But I think, you know, people fail to understand this whole business of a sentient being. Now, if you look at it from a sentient perspective, mm. what we are saying is that all sentient beings have the same five senses that we have. Okay. Yes. And through those senses, they respond to their environment as we do. And they also have a brain where everything interpreted and through that interpretation, they feel emotion, they feel grief, they feel everything that you can think of, right? The question then is, when does the whole hierarchy in terms of biological being kind of prevents the situation where that if you had to create a situation of suffering or killing or what have you, that there will be no apparent felt suffering. But if you think about it, right? Which animal doesn't run away from you if it senses danger? None. Right? Yes. So it is encrypted. It is encrypted in our DNA. It's encrypted in our upbringing throughout evolution that we sense danger, we have a stress response, and we move away from that stress. So what that's telling us is that no being wants to be killed. So but no carrot is going to run away. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, Precious, it's about supremacy. You know, it's, it's human supremacy. We feel that uh, the animal is lower than us and therefore we have a right to kill it. Uh, we are more equal. But that can be said the same like uh, one or 200 years ago that women were seen as less equal that men uh, had the right to do whatever, or even it, with the race groups um, uh, that non-white were less equal. And uh, so, so it's exactly the same thing. And we are saying that, that it is supremacy. If you have a supremacist mentality, you are going to see the animal as less than. Um, and and it's just a form of oppression. And also science does say that, according to science, as human beings, we are also animals. Yes, of course. Mm. We're animals. No, we're animals. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and because we have intelligence, precious, 
we should better be able to to know that we are causing suffering because we have the ability to think what use is our intelligence yes. if we cannot even use our intelligence to have empathy now like an animal like a lion has no choice right he has to eat an animal or he will die okay yes. we have the choice uh, and so why do we want to choose to be cruel we can choose to be kind what is the reason that we want to be cruel and and the reason that it is just for pleasure doesn't seem right for 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 us because we're calling ourselves humanity we are humane we are humanity but no we want to cause cruelty just for a meal that tomorrow if i asked you what did you eat you forgotten it already right yes. but that animal's whole life is gone and you forgotten that meal or that meal didn't get eaten as well got went into the waste yes you oh. know mm. so like even like if you look at fishing 40% of all sea animals that are caught, caught in those industrial nets get discarded as waste because they are whales or sharks or turtles octopus or whatever it yeah. is so and they buy catch they buy catch right they discard it and we kill 2 billion sea animals a day in fact by 2050 we think that there will be more plastic pollution in the sea than there are sea animals we have the um the great pacific garbage patch in the sea which uh, is close to america it's three times the size of france it's it's just plastic okay uh, garbage a, a whole island of garbage that is flo floating around yeah so, so and 46% of that plastic is actually from discarded sea nets So when we we take those sea nets and we throw it into the uh, after we're done with it, it's just thrown into the ocean. So mm. you know we think about oh we don't want to drink with the straw, but it is fishing that is killing the fish. Uh, it's not, and a lot of you know, and the other thing about you know the environmental aspect. Remember, the sea makes up seventy percent of of all um, all of Earth. and we get oxygen from trees and when we're talking about climate change we talk about the rainforest yes. but the rainforest of the sea is the coral reef when we take those industrial fishing nets and we throw them and we trawl those ocean beds we disrupt the rainforest of the sea which produces the maximum amount of oxygen So that is just adding to climate change as well. Yeah, so I I think you know there's another term that I want to bring about, you know, when we talk about empathy, there's another term called empathy bias. So what is empathy bias? We only feel empathy for our own kind. We feel no empathy if it's for somebody or something else, okay? And um from that lots of different things are born that we become self-conscious and self-preserving as opposed to looking at from ours and it's more about mine 
So if you the further away in evolution, evolution you are. that that animal comes from you, the the less empathy you feel for them. Mm. Yeah, and so even if you look at his history into Africa, right? If you look at when colonization occurred, Africans were thought of as a different species, a species that was closer to the ape than the Caucasians of Europe were. Right, and through that was born the whole slavery, as well as a lot of um, experimentation, even in medicine, for argument's sake, with the use of drugs and what have you. So, it, it, these things all have a history, and the reason it became easy to do is well, they're not our people. That's number one, right? It's and easy to justify. It's easy a to wrong. justify a wrong if you think like that. If you say they are other. You know, so now we're seeing the animal as other, other. so we can justify whatever brutality we need to um, switch our perspectives. That we practice against them. Yes, we need to switch our perspectives around that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to get into the uh, nutritional side of it. As medical people yourselves, what do you have to say to people who worry about? Because I find that a lot of people worry about where do we find our protein as vegan people. What do you have to say about that? Okay. Okay. So, yeah, we find our protein. We, we get our protein directly from the plants. The animals are eating the plants and they make their protein and you getting it from them. But the animals are getting their protein from the plants. So things like beans and dals and lentils and soy are all protein, you know. Mm. So like, for example, if you eat, a plant has to eat 100 grams of protein for you to get three grams. Okay, you can eat the plant directly and get that entire 100 grams of protein uh, uh, of beef. Sorry, did I say beef? For beef so it's different for different animals for chicken and pork there's different values i think for pork it's uh 10 grams of protein per 100 grams they eat but I, i'm not 100 percent sure mm. so there we are not have you ever heard of a, a vegan dying of protein deficiency i mean no. it, it doesn't happen Actually, I do know. So, uh, I do know this other American. I don't know if you know Tabitha Brown, who is an American uh, celebrity who is yes, uh, also yes, vegan, yes, yes. and she did yeah, mention that yeah. for her it was for health reasons, and she never she had a chronic disease before that, and then she became vegan, and then after that she was yes. living a healthy life. Right. Yeah. So so it yes it is uh it is beneficial to you as well as you know uh, Serena Williams as well. Uh, uh, changed because of uh, an autoimmune disease that she had. And apparently uh, it also went away after, uh, after starting a plant-based diet. Uh, they, you know, so there are a few things that you need to be worried about. So with macronutrients, there's, uh, there's uh, no problem. With micronutrients, uh, there are a few things that you worry about, which is B12, um, iron, yes. uh, vitamin D, omega-3. But these deficiencies are not unique to veganism because remember, Precious, that the multivitamin industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And who is, uh, who, who is using it? 
not the one percent of the vegans. Everybody is you, you know. Using it. Mm. Uh, yeah, everybody's using it. So, so it's just, and any diet can be unhealthy if you are not you're not following a balanced diet. I mean, you can be vegan and eat bread only, or eat vegan and be vegan and only eat cake. And of course, it's not going to be healthy. Okay. Yes. Um, so- but I wanted to get into yeah. the issue of the 1st of November being a world vegan day. Um, and I wanted to know yeah. how do how does vegan society of South Africa celebrate? What are some of the activities that happen uh, within? I do know that now some of the event might have not occurred because of COVID. But what? how do you celebrate yeah. um, vegan day? On, on the 1st, yeah. Yes. You must remember that it, it, it's a normal day, you know. It's like a normal working day. It's yes. not like a public holiday or anything. But I think uh, prior to COVID, uh, they used to organize picnics and get-togethers or dinners and, or some kind of social events. And um, I, I think certain articles were written in the press, uh, recipes were shared, uh, it, it's actually more about creating awareness for the non-vegans, like how we have Veganuary and Meatless Monday. It's just and to make people more interested in veganism. Uh, it's not actually for the vegans to celebrate. We want percent, and we're not happy with that number. We, we want more the whole people. world to go vegan. You know? yes. so, so, so for us, there's nothing to celebrate as yet. It's actually to spread awareness to the non-vegans. Okay. So when we last spoke, you gave me some documentaries. I need those documentaries on record for everybody and for okay. myself. Okay. So the first one, uh, you know, for health reasons mm-hmm. is uh, the game changes. Okay. Yes. And that, yeah. And then there's David Attenborough's A Life on Our Planet. There's Forks Over Knives. There's cow spirity. And then if anybody needs motivation to go vegan and know what is happening out there in animal agriculture, then they need to watch Dominion 2018. Thank you so much. Any final words around this? And what are your hopes as well uh, when when veganism is is concerned in the future? So (laughs) as I said before, we want the entire world to go vegan. Yes. Um, And uh, veganism is, you know, it's not extreme and it's actually not difficult to do. So Mm. we just want everybody to give it a try and they might be pleasantly surprised at how good they feel, one physically and also emotionally. Uh, I can attest so, to that. I yes. can attest okay. to that. I've, I've tried it for like since February up until um, October. I fell off the wagon this November and I, I've tried it and I can attest to that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So look, I mean, you know, from, from a journey perspective, I think educating yourself mm. is the primary uh, thing that you need to do. Yes. Uh, nobody needs to follow blindly, right? Uh, but uh, exposing yourself to everything that's happening around you is very important. Mm-hmm. No slaughterhouse has a glass door that you can view as to what happens behind those glass doors or behind those doors. Okay? Yes. Uh, so there, there is a lot of hidden 
uh, aspects to animal agriculture and in anything at all, um, they've created a sort of a situation of a happy cow industry. And that in its own right does not exist, right? It certainly doesn't exist. In, in, the, in the dairy industry. industry. Mm. So, uh, you know, there's lots of things that you need to educate yourself about. Where to start the journey? Certainly the documentaries are very important. Sorry, Precious, there was one documentary that's very important. Yes. With sea spiracy, S-E-A spiracy, sea spiracy. Yes. So I would always recommend starting with Game Changers. Um, the reason for that is the way they portray um, uh, the, the plant-based diet initially and the, 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 the terminology of veganism and it, it, they actually uh, recommending it to you for various other health benefits, right? Yes. Which all of us can identify with, right? But they also close uh, the entire and conclude on issues like ethical reasons, morality, climate aspects of your choice you're making toward veganism. But what you need to understand in this whole business of meat eating to vegetable eating is one very important aspect that the, the use of meat in your diet is essentially an inflammatory process that you're creating in your body, right? It slows down and changes the way your body heals. It's, it, it changes the way you metabolize the food and everything else that goes with it. So if you go to a plant-based diet, you're actually making the job much easier for your body, number one, okay? And in fact, uh, even if you got a so-called lifestyle-related disease, you potentially can reverse it by just going vegan diet, right? And there's never, there's never a period that is too late to change. So even if you look at, say, heart disease, right? And you say, well, my arteries are getting blocked. I need to go to the cardiac uh, cardiologist. He needs to put in a stent, right? Yes. Say if you were not necessarily acutely needing the stent, there is absolutely no reason to believe that putting in a stent gives you more benefit than changing your diet. And in fact, what people do, I'd rather have the stent and not change my diet. Yeah. So it, it, it's uh, the way of thinking needs to change. It's the same thing about COVID. The response to COVID has been anything else, but let's do something about animal agriculture. Yes. Which is the beginning of where we are. So yeah, because we're very quick to blame others. So we blame COVID on um, the wet market. So we blame it on the Chinese. But what about swine flu from, uh, from pigs? What about bird flu? What about mad cow disease? What about... Uh, SARS, MERS, HIV, uh, all of these diseases, and uh, and so many come from animal agriculture itself. But we don't want to, you know, we, we never like to blame ourselves. It's always somebody else to blame. Let's blame government. Uh, let's blame these other people. But we Whereas don't the want to take... Whereas the changes start, start with us. The change start with yes. us. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. So finally, what is your favorite vegan meal? <laughs> well, mine's uh, biryani. <laughs> what is yours? 
<laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I used to uh, really enjoy a pizza the most. Uh, yes. And then obviously with the whole issue of pizza, um, obviously, you know, I don't need a lot of cheese on it, right? Yes. But the change of not having cheese uh, when I went from vegetarian to vegan yes. was certainly one of my bigger steps. Mm. But interestingly, your palate undergoes a change. Mm. And down the line, you don't think about cheese. There's nothing great about cheese. And as you unfold into a new journey, the, the vegan pizza, to me now, tastes just as good. Mm-hmm. So uh, I still love my pizza. Let me put it that way. Yes. Um, in, if anything at all, we still make homemade pizza, uh, which we enjoy uh, every time we make it. But, you know, credit to my wife, actually, because, I mean, she experiments a lot and mm-hmm. she's even found ways and means of changing Indian cooking, which is very heavily reliant on dairy type of um, no, no, it's not that heavy reliant. There are some uh, product, uh, some dishes that have dairy, uh, but most, I mean, all our beans and veg and, you know, we, we have very heavy plant-based meal. There are few dishes that I've had to adapt. And it's not that difficult because we have plant-based milk. So all I had to do was uh, stop using milk and use plant-based milk, you know. So it wasn't that big a change. <laughs> Thank you so much. With the wisdom that you've given me and shared with the listeners of this podcast, I'm going to leave you with one thing. On that cheese note, I'm going to need you to go check out Tabitha Brown's post recently. She did a vegan yeah. cheese. She made a vegan cheese. So you might want to check out that receipt. <laughs> yes, yes. That's that on that. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember to keep the conversations going on social media at Out of Curiosity, the podcast, using the hashtag OCTP. Until my voice collides with your ears on the next episode, stay curious.